This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to jump right in for sake of time. And um, again, to recap, uh, if you weren't with us last Sunday, this is a letter, and it's being written by a man named Paul. Now, Paul is writing to this community, to this this church in a city whom he loves dearly. Paul, uh, we find in the book of Acts, has spent two years with these people in Ephesus. And, and quickly, within two years, he falls in love with this community. Paul has found himself not in Ephesus, but he's now in Rome and he's in prison. He's in jail, not because he's hurt somebody, not because he, um, he did anything wrong, but he's in prison because of his faith. Anybody thankful that you live in America where you are free to have faith in Jesus Christ? Come on, somebody say thank you to hashtag America. So Paul the Apostle is writing from Rome to Ephesus, and he's actually having this unbelievable insight on who Jesus is and what the church is called to look like. Again, we talked about this last Sunday, but the book of Ephesians is broken into really two halves. The first three chapters focus on our position as a believer in Christ, who we are in Christ. We talked last Sunday about standing power. We, this is our position to stand in. The last three chapters, chapters four, five, and six, are really about the activity of a believer, the behavior, what we look like eventually. Eventually, we're going to get to chapter six, where uh, we're going to talk about even being in war. I don't know if you knew this, but you're going to have to fight for your future. You're going to have to fight for the things of God. You're going to have to fight for your family and for your marriage and for the things that are in front of you. Anybody up for the fight and willing to to fight in the weapons of our warfare. There are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, before Paul gets to, to the war, he's, he's still over here on, on our position. This is the second chapter out of the book of Ephesians. Let's read together. I'm going to start in verses 1 through 10, and then we'll end there at the, at the end of the chapter. We'll skip through some verses, and, um, and we'll read there. Here's what it says. Paul writing, to the church in Ephesus. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among also, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Now he's transitioning here, watch verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and in his kindness towards Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now skipping down to the end of this chapter, it said God is building a home. 
He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, whether it be Uber or a Lyft or a friend, and what he is building, just making sure you're paying attention. And, and he has used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God, all of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. Anybody thankful tonight that God is building a home that not only he feels invited into, but anybody thankful God is building a home that even we are invited into? Come on, put your hands together tonight if you're grateful that God is building a church for himself and he's building a church for you and I. I want to preach a message tonight. You can write down the title of tonight's message. It's called, What Was Can't Compare to What Is. What was cannot even compare to what is. And I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to believe that God will come and speak to you this evening. Come on, let's bow our heads one more time. Jesus, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are with us. God, we acknowledge your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Tonight, we ask by the power of your Spirit, open up our eyes so we can see Jesus. Open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit. Do something unique and profound in these moments. God, thank you that you're for us and you're not against us. We welcome you in these moments. And God, we are thanking you that the four Cast has 80 degree weather all week long. Truly you have heard the cry of your saints. We thank you for answering our prayers. Thank you that the ice cream we consume after church, none of the calories will count against us because they're on church property. In Jesus' name and we all said together, come on somebody say amen and thank God that we're going to eat some ice cream for the glory of God. By the way, the, the ice cream we're serving tonight, um, it, it, it's cool Haas cool H-A-U-S, but I have been corrected by Dana in the front row that it's cool house, which is terrible. Anyways, um, when, I, when I think about the difference of what was versus what is, um, immediately I, be, I, be, I begin to think of like old school versus new school. Like think of everything of, of the bad that once was and how thankful I am for what is. Like back in the day, what was. Thank God that we don't have the same fashion that we used to. Somebody thank God you've been delivered from your old school fashion. Any, anybody, you had some bad fashion moments back in the day. Anybody, you just thank the Lord. You don't dress like you used to dress. Some of you ought to just come to the altar right now and repent for your sin. And what was versus what is. Like I'm thinking about music. Like I know that I grew up in the 90s. I love rap music. Anybody love rap music right here? Like we had Biggie Day this last week and we celebrating like the Brooklyn Nets tonight. Uh, hashtag Biggie, pour some out. But I'm thankful that we are not in what was, and I'm thankful that we are in what is. I need some EDM in my playlist nowadays, okay? Back in the 90s, we didn't have Beyonce, who is the next coming, okay? So I'm thankful that there's a difference between what was and what is is what was Julie and I we we just got I got back last night Julie got back today but we just um we're in Cabo San Lucas Cabo San Lucas for a wedding I officiated a wedding yesterday evening for some good friends of ours and the last time I was in Cabo San Lucas one of my best friends of the world Aaron Cordero and I we graduated college together in 2002 that's right your boy got a degree and uh <laughs> 3.6 GPA, pastoral ministry. I'm qualified to do this stuff. And so um, I graduated from college. Me and Aaron.
Aaron, we saved up all of our money, and we went down to Cabo. Now, when I went down to Cabo that year in 2002, I made $14,000 as a salary that year. So a lot has changed from what was to what is. Uh, that year, the, the, I weighed, well, I weighed pretty much the same weight that I did then as I do now, but that's a different story. There's a lot that has changed from all the way back in 2002. What was versus what is Paul the Apostle, in Ephesians chapter 2, he is going to tell the church of Ephesus the difference between past, present, and future. He is laying out the difference of the, what was versus what is. I love how he starts the first three verses of this, of this chapter. He says, do you understand what you used to be? Do you understand what you used to do? You used to be a son of disobedience. You are a slave to unrighteousness. You, you obeyed the spirit of this air. You couldn't help yourself. Paul in graphic detail for three verses talks about how we would fulfill the lust of the flesh, the lust of the mind. We couldn't help ourselves. We were in this state. We were a slave to the law. We couldn't free ourselves. We couldn't find salvation. We were lost without Jesus. And all of a sudden, verse 4, he rises up and he says, but God. Oh, I love the transition right there. Because he's talking about the past versus the present. He was saying, this is who you used to be, but God butted in. Anybody thankful that when you were at your worst, God showed up at his best. Come on, somebody thank God in the 7 p.m. But God got into your world. In fact, write down point number one tonight. But God. Woo, I love that thought right there. We can just land on that thought all night. But God. But God has a way of button into impossible situations. And let me just say this tonight. I believe God butted in all the way back then, and I think God can still butt in tonight. God can butt into that which looks terrible, grotesque, vile, that which has no hope when God butts in. I don't know what your finances look like, but when God butts into your finances, a blessing's going to rain down. I don't know what your body looks like tonight, but when God butts in, he can heal you in one moment. I don't know what your relationships look like, but when God butts in, the whole thing changes. Anybody thankful tonight that when God butts in, everything is never going to be the same? Say, this is the past, but God, watch what he says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. This is profound. But God, but God, but God, but God, thank God, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Do you see what the Bible's saying? God is so merciful, he doesn't just have mercy, he got rich mercy. That's mad mercy, y'all. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. This love is not just a love. It is a great love. It's a ferocious love. It's a tenacious love. It's an abounding love. This great love with which he loved us. By the way, God's love is not wandering. It's not aimless. It's not looking for a place to land. It's not going from city to city and person to person. No, God's love is aimed at your life. God's love is aimed, God's love is aimed at your future. God's love is aimed at you. Anybody thankful tonight? That even in times when you tried to run, God still pointed his love at you. Even in times when you tried to rebel, God still loves you. Come on, some people are clapping because you know what it sounds like and you know what it looks like. That's the past. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. 
Remember a few years ago, we had this, well, one of our friends, to, uh, his, his, his son was at this summer camp, and, and we were down, and they, they, they asked the son, he was only like 10 years old, if he wanted to do paintball. So they loaded up his gun, and they put on the little visor thing, and they let this kid go. And before they said go and let him unload the gun, they said, okay, we're going to send this guy running between this tree to this tree, and this dude is going to run uh, between this tree to this tree, and they're going to have targets. If you hit them, you get X amount of points, or you can shoot at this one tree with this big bullseye, and you get this amount of points. And they said, on your mark, get set, go. I seen these two dudes running for their lives, just back and forth. Cheech and Chong, just, sorry, just had to go there, Mexican. And so they're running for their life. And this little 10-year-old, he just took the gun and just unloaded on this tree that wasn't moving. I want to tell somebody tonight, you might have tried to get away from God's grace. You might have tried to run from the grace of God. But God's love has been aimed at you. And whether you're standing in church or you're running away, God's going to find a way to get his love to your doorstep. Come on, am I preaching to anybody that is thankful that in times of you try to turn your back and rebel God was still saying I've got rich mercy and I've got great love love this about God because this is so the gospel of redemption that God finds a way to rescue us and then he finds a way to save us he says this is unbelievable you are you are a slave to this thing you are a son of disobedience you 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 obeyed the lust of the flesh what graphic detail Paul is writing from Rome to Ephesus. You remember? You, you couldn't help yourself, could you? Your mind wandered this way. Your body obeyed the, every lust, every whim, every thought. But God, who is rich in mercy, and watch what he continues to say. He says, now that you're in Christ, you are actually seated in heavenly places. I don't know who you are and where you came from, but I came to tell you, you don't have the cheap seats in heaven. You've, got, you've been seated in heavenly places by Jesus. You can't earn this seat. You can't purchase this seat. StubHub don't sell this seat. This is only bought by the grace of Jesus Christ. This is the blood poured out that has seated you in heavenly places. Anybody thankful tonight that you've been seated in heavenly places? You have not been seated below, but you are the head and not the tail. It says, you've been seated in heavenly places. And he lands in verse 8. And for me, verse 8 is just like everything. Like out of all the verses we chose for you to memorize, this is the verse to memorize. This is, you can write down point number two. This is the divine order. This is where all of our theology and faith rests right here. Paul writes such profound, riveting truths right here. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. This is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Paul, what are you saying? I thought that it was my faith that saved me. I'm a faith guy, you know? I go to church, faith person. I do the faith thing. I'm a faith person. I thought my faith saved me. No, he says that, quite the opposite. It is for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Paul is teaching us that it's grace before faith it's Jesus before us by the way grace is not a principle grace is a person and his name is Jesus so the Bible's teaching us for it is by Jesus you have been saved and it's only your faith in Jesus that saves you by the way, faith by definition, it is confidence, belief, and trust. It's my trust in Jesus, my confidence in Jesus, my belief in, come on, anybody tonight, you got confidence, you got trust, and you've got belief in Jesus tonight. 
It's this, it's this trust, for it is by grace you have been. Jesus saved me when he hung on the cross. My belief in this death, my belief in this resurrection, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not even of yourself. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Paul's teaching us something pretty profound about the difference of putting all the emphasis on the believer or the emphasis on Jesus. Most of us grew up in a church where we go like, how good are you? How, how, what have you done? Do you read? Do you pray? Have you tithed? Do you tithe? What do you listen to? Are those explicit lyrics? What is it rated? R? My God. What are you playing? What are you, what are you, what are you drinking? Show me the activity. And most of us think... That the harder I work, the better I am with God. The, 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 the more effort, the more I muster all this scripture memorization and all, oh, if I can just, no, Paul's saying, no, no, it's grace that saves you. It's your faith in Jesus, not in yourself, not of works, lest any man should boast, I save myself. Oh, you think Jesus saved you? Well, I can save myself. The reality is you cannot earn it. You cannot deserve it. You cannot work hard or strive to get in good with God. Only Jesus makes us good with God. Come on, some people are understanding just how good this Jesus is. You're applauding and thanking God for his grace and his mercy in your life. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is, this is not even of yourself. This is not your work ethic. This is not how you're striving, lest any man should boast. Paul is, he's given us the divine order that I actually put Jesus first. Jesus is the main thing. Jesus is my message. Jesus is my, the reason why we call him our savior is because he saved us. So watch what Paul's saying. He's saying, Jesus, he, um, he rescued me. He saved me. And then watch how he continues on in verse 10. Verse 10 is, um, it's freeing, really. He says it this way, but I'll say it another for you to write down. Verse 10, he continues on. He goes, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, with which God has prepared beforehand in Christ Jesus. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good, good works. So he's established already that Jesus rescued me, he saved me, and watch what he's about to do for our lives. For we are his workmanship created in, created in Christ for, this is for good works now. So I want you to write it down this way. Write down point number three this way. It's a confession I want you to make this week. It's a declaration I want you to make this week. I want you to write down, I have been made by greatness for greatness. I have been made by greatness for greatness. You ever get a t-shirt? Or, or, or a pair of shoes, and you look, and it's, it says where it's made. You know, it says made in the USA, or it says made in China, or made in the Philippines, made somewhere. Let me just tell you tonight, you have been made by God. God himself knit you together. God fearfully and wonderfully created and curated who you are. God, 
God designed your personality. He gave you your gift mix. God knows how many hairs are on your head. The Bible says more than the sands of the sea, so are the thoughts of the Lord towards you tonight. God knows everything about you because he created everything about you. God made, you're a designer's original. There never been another you, there never be another you. God has made you for a specific reason and you have been made by greatness and you have been made for greatness. Come on, if you believe that about your life and you believe that about yourself, come on, you ought to put your hands together and thank the Lord tonight. I've been made by greatness. I've been made, you ought to just declare it this week. I've been made by greatness. I've been made for greatness. I don't know what your family pedigree looks like. I don't know how much you money, how much money you make a year, but I know this to be true. You got royalty in your veins. You got a future in your life. You, you've been made by the king of all kings. You've been created by the Lord of all lords. The same one that hung the stars. The same one that made the moon. The same one that created all of creation. He put you together. And if somebody ought to put their hands together and thank the Lord tonight, I have been made by greatness. I have been made for. Oh, you ought to give them a shout tonight. If you're getting it on the inside of your spirit, by greatness, for greatness. This is not hype. This is hope. This is not a man's idea. This is God's idea. For we are his workmanship. What is the Bible saying? God has been working this thing and creating you and forming you and shaping you. We are his workmanship created in Christ for good works. Wait a second. This can't be right. This is contradictory. You just told me in one, two verses earlier that it's not about works lest any man should boast. So make up your mind. Is it works or is it not works? Now the Bible is explaining the difference between the divine order and the, the plan that God has for your life. God's design is that you would put all of your trust, all of your faith, all of your confidence into his son Jesus. And after rescuing you and saving you, this is such a scandal called grace. God says, I will actually use you in my divine plan to bring the gospel to this world. I have created you for something bigger than yourself. I've created you to do something meaningful on the earth. I do not just rescue you and save you to sit in church services. I don't rescue people and save people so they can just have a life of playing FIFA soccer. I rescue people and save people so they can do good works for the glory of my name and the glory of my kingdom. If you are interested in doing something great for God, put your hands together tonight and just tell the Lord, I know you created me for something better than pleasure, better than adventure, better than vacation. Oh, come on, get some faith tonight. If you believe I've been made by greatness, I've been made for greatness. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do something good on this planet. Oh, I knew it's stupid. I knew it. I knew it. I sensed it my whole life. I knew it. I knew it. I sensed it. I know that Jesus is real. I know I used to be bad. I know that's my past. I know this is my present. But I can sense I've got a future in Christ. I know that I've had some fun on this earth. But it pales in comparison to the good works that he has in front of me. Do you hear what the Bible's saying? Do you understand what God's Word is teaching us? He's saying that God has prepared beforehand these good works. You ever come home back in the day and your mom has a list of chores you're supposed to do? Tell the truth and shame the devil. This ever happened to you? Now when you're married, it's called a honey to-do list. Same thing. Chore, honey to-do list is the same thing. Same struggle is real. Same thing. Same list. Same thing. Same tone. Same thing. Same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's no different. It's the same thing. 
Different name, same thing. Same feeling, same thing. Nothing, nothing, nothing changed. Ain't nothing changed. Nothing has changed. It's the same thing. It's the same dang thing. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And, 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 and someone prepares a list of things for you to do. God is in your future calling you to the things he's prepared for you. I have planned something for your life. Do, do, you, do you understand? I have made you to be great in my kingdom. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand. I wonder the things that God has prepared for your life that you're not yet walking into because you don't realize the greatness that's on your life. Some of you, your whole life would change if you started to see yourself the way God sees you. I have made you, you are my workmanship, and I have so many things in store for your life. Paul is writing from, from prison, really, life-altering truths about Jesus. It's who you used to be. But grace saved you. And God has prepared these works for you to do. These works do not make you saved. Jesus saved you. These works are so that you can be a part of the divine plan on this earth. And then he goes through a number of scriptures and verses explaining the difference between what Gentiles and Jews lived in. Remember, his audience is Gentiles. Gentiles never should have had any shot at the gospel. These people groups should have never been at church. What are you doing at church? You know that church is for church people. Why are you in the service? You smell different. You look different. You don't talk like us. Paul is explaining to the Gentile group, no, no, no. Jesus has broken down the middle wall of separation. There is now only one race in Christ. This is for the Jew and the Gentile. Translation, this is for church folk. This is for non-church folk. This is for everybody. He's explaining past, present, and future. And watch how he lands at the end of this chapter and where do we put our good works to use. He lands actually on the church. Watch what he says here in this, these last verses in verse 20. I'm going to read from my holy anointed iPad and watch what it says. It says, God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using, he's using you? Who, me? Yes, yes, you. Fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape Day after day, Sunday after Sunday, a holy temple is being built by God. All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Would you write down the fourth and the final point tonight that God is building a home? God is building a home. I love this about Paul's writing in the end. Because Paul is basically saying, you were created by greatness for greatness. And all of this greatness is not so you can monetize it. It's not so that you can have a big house and a big name and have a little bit of fame. It's not so you can have wonderful trips and escapades. No, the greatness that is on you and in you, I want to channel it to you so you can partner with me to build a home. I want to say to Zoe Church, God is building a home. Our church will be a home not only for God, but it will be a home for 
for others, that people will walk in this place, whether, whether, whatever their church background is, whether they either went to the last church and they felt judged and condemned, I believe they're going to walk into our church and they're going to feel at home, that God will feel at home and other people will feel at home. Come on, somebody put your hands together if you're believing tonight that God is building a home and he's using us to build it. This is unbelievable. Did you hear, you hear what Paul's saying? Worship team, you can come join me. He's saying this is insane. God used to use these apostles and these prophets. You know, like Malachi or Isaiah or Jeremiah. All these huge, monumental, massive prophets and, and apostles. And God used these mighty men of, of valor and faith. And now he's using us? God, how could this be? You... You, these guys were, were spiritual. These guys were, they're powerful. They, they use uh, big, you know, New King James words like thou and shall and, and, and they knew scripture. What, me? Yes, God says, I will use you if you just let me use you. I will build a home through you, stone by stone, day by day, week by week. I will build a home and I'll actually use you to build the church that I want to build. The Bible is teaching us not only of the glorious life, but it's teaching us the glorious church, a church that will look like home and feel like home that people will come in and be themselves and they will not feel like they have to put it on. They will not feel like they have to act like something they're not. They will come in right away and they will say, I found a home. I've been searching my whole life. If I would just find a home, I didn't find it there, but now I found it here. God, oh, just forgive the veins and the yelling and get excited about this stuff. Because I think so many of us think like, oh, no, 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 like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I am, um, I'm busy. I've, 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 I've got stuff in my world. God, God, what would God want to do with my life? You know, I, I just, that's why you ought to come to Growth Track. Discover your gift of why God designed you the way he designed you so you can actually use all of that greatness that's in you so you can help God build a home on this earth. I had a friend that asked me, why did you choose Ephesians? Out of all the books of the Bible, you could have you could have chosen Romans, the, the road to Romans. You could have chosen, you know, one of the books to, to young Timothy. You could have you could have chosen Colossians. Why Ephesians? Because Ephesians to me is one of the best books of the Bible because it paints the picture of what the church should look like. Paul actually shows us for the first time in Scripture what church should be. And now he's entering into the part. Now there'll be other facets of the church down the road. We'll get to the church that's at warfare, but now we're in the church that's home. What a beautiful word to use. Because, listen, I don't care if we're at a theater, I don't care if we're in a club, and I don't care if we're in a school. Zoe Church is a home. You can drop us in Santa Monica. You can put us in West Hollywood. You can drop us downtown LA, but we have built a home where God can feel at home and other people can feel at home. Am I preaching to anybody tonight that understands the difference between what was and what is? This is our old life and our old way and the old regime and I couldn't help myself. I was a slave to that old life. I was bad and I was broken and I was hurting, but Jesus saved me. Oh, thank God Jesus saved me. 
And He didn't just save me to rescue me and save me. He saved me and allowed me to be a part of the divine plan. He is scheming and strategizing. The local church is the hope of the world. This is the way that people will know the gospel. This is the way that the people of this earth will be redeemed. Come on, anybody tonight, you want to be a part of building the church of Jesus Christ, a home for the homeless. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.